Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Across from me, Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten. We are so glad you're joining us for the show today. Of course, like I said, Shane is here. Shane, how's it going today? Mike, I'm doing fantastic. Just doing really, really well. You look great. What are you doing now? You got some type of cream? Uh, no, no, no. Cream. <laughs> you mean like, like face cream <laughs> kind of thing? Face cream. Yeah, no. <laughs> that- no. In fact, Mike, I was at the, uh, I was getting my hair cut yeah. uh, a couple months ago. Uh-huh. And the person cutting my hair said something to me. And, and she said, you know, you mind if I tell you something? And I said, no. She said, I, I cut the hair of a lot of guys your age. And they dye their hair and they've had surgery. And she says they, they kind of look ridiculous. She said, you just don't seem to be working at it at all. You're just letting it go naturally and taking it as it comes. And you know what I said to her, Mike? If that's a compliment, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, no tip for you. No, no. But I, I, to be honest, that's kind of a... That's kind of how yeah. I've decided don't, to play this. I'm going to dress well for a guy my age, you know, and uh, but I'm not going to set it. Hey, what? on that, Shane, you like straight shooters, don't you? I like straight shooters. Hey, you're a straight shooter, too. I'm a pretty you much, were, I don't have time not to be a straight shooter. Yeah, you're a straight days. shooter. I, there's someone around the church recently. I, I put on, uh, you know, 10 or 15 pounds during Christmas time. And this person was uh, came right up to me and let me know about that. Yes. And then there's also something going around about how you've lost, you look great, you've lost a lot of weight, and about how that weight that you've lost is now kind of <laughs> headed my way. But isn't it funny how people <laughs> will say things to you, Mike, but if you said it to them, oh my they'd be utterly devastated. Oh they'd have to have like counseling for three <laughs> yeah. years, yeah. you know, it'd be like six yeah. months before they could talk again. Yeah. You know, can we? Can yeah. you imagine if, if we walked up to somebody and said the kind of things they say to us, just normally? Yeah, it would be devastating for them. It'd, it'd be really, really tough. All right, Shane. Today we're going to talk about uh, how do you, would you describe it? I think we're going to talk about just what it takes to get it done. You yeah. know, one of the things in in Philippians, in the the first chapter, Paul is just talking about he thanks God for the faithfulness of the church. In fact, he says that's one of the things that God has given the church favor because of their faithfulness. And I was thinking today about what does it mean to be faithful? And for me, faithful is obeying God, doing what you've said you do, even when you don't want to do it, even when it's not easy, even when it's really, really difficult to do, you're still going to do it. And for me, I call that a get it done gear. Yeah, I've seen you put that get it uh, get it done gear um, uh, in, into into gear, if you will, many many times uh, over these last seven or eight years. So so let's talk about it, Shane, because you don't always have that gear no. going. Because you can't live like that all the time. No, because people can't sustain it. No way. Or even if you could sustain it, people around you can't right. sustain it. Because there's times they wonder if they can sustain it now. <laughs> right. And so uh, let's just first talk about, Shane, how do, you, how do you know when it's time to get into that gear? When you personally are, are like, okay, I know it's time to work, work, work. What, what triggers in you to say, okay, now it's time? I think for me, a part of it is if God lays something on my heart, we said in the last episode, well, something unique about Christian leaders is that God asks Christian leaders, he asks something of Christian leaders they cannot deliver on their own. So God, as a Christian leader, God will ask me to do something. And it's not just me being obedient to him. That's one. Mm-hmm. But it's leading other people into mm-hmm. that. So for me, it's, it's getting the vision, 
getting the the confirmation that that we are actually doing something that God wants done. And then you got to begin a process of mobilization. I think it's in that process of mobilization that once I hear God, uh, I I just get pretty locked. Right, and you just keep at, stay at it until you feel like you have been faithful throughout the whole mission. Is that where you're kind of at with that? Yeah, and and a lot of it's just mobilization. Okay, you know, people. it's just mobilization. Okay. It's getting people. Uh, you you got to get by. You got to cast a vision. Mm-hmm. You got to get buy-in. And then you have to make sure that people are doing what they need to be doing to move that vision forward. Right. And a part of that is just high, high, high accountability. Okay. So just asking questions. Asking questions. Yeah. yeah. I, I ask questions constantly. Right. What I'm really saying is, do you have this done? Right. But that's yeah. not what I say. I'm saying, <laughs> hey, how are we doing on this? Yes. Or how are we doing on that? Because right. you can't just grind and grind and grind and grind or people can't take it. Yeah. But for me, when you've got something imperative, something that's really, really important, and it needs addressing, you just got to figure out how to get it done. You can't just sit around and wait for other people to do things that are going to benefit you. You're just going to have to be the star in your own movie, and you're going to have to say, hey, I'm going to have to do this myself. And the other piece is, I said I would do something. So my integrity's at stake. Uh, this is a reflection of my character. So I'm very difficult to get to do anything. Mm-hmm. But once I commit, um, I'm in. You're all in. All in. You start to mobilize people to kind of get. Uh, I love what you said about how it's not just you being obedient to God and your role. Now it's about other getting people, other people on that's board right. so they can share in that and the joy that's going to come with being obedient to God. What happens when you face pockets of resistance? Whenever you feel like there's a little resistance, part of it's just asking the question, sure. right? Accountability. Um, when do you know when you just got to let go of somebody or or, uh, or where you need to keep trying to bring them along? I think, Mike, that if the vision is clear, if what is expected is clear, most people will be able to self-differentiate as to whether or not they can or okay. want to be a part of that. So if we're doing something, if we're mobilizing in something here, uh, let's say here at Christ Church, and we have someone who works for us, mm-hmm. and they say, no, I'm not on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, then let's replace them yeah. with somebody who is on board. Right. Right? I mean, pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so that's kind of how I think. Now, mm-hmm. does everybody have to be excited about everything we do? I don't think everybody has equal excitement mm-hmm. about everything we're doing, but I do need equal work ethic. I need Mm -hmm. equal commitment and I need people to be on board. I've told this to a lot of people over the years. What For whatever reason, God has put me as the lead pastor in this church. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, that is my role. And part of my role is to receive vision for the church and to move the church forward. And uh, when we cast that vision, when we talk about what's needed, I want to be really, really clear about that, really clear about what's expected. And I also want to be clear with people, you know, the mission of the church isn't to provide people work. The mission right. of the church is to connect people with Jesus. And if God has given me a vision for doing that, I just need everybody in. Whenever I think about, you know, hard work or uh, work where you have to put go kind of put in the extra time, a lot of times um, I think, okay, uh, the time clock is off. Mm-hmm. The time clock's off. Work is kind of going to be a part of the life beyond just right. office hours. Um, 
And uh, I know for me, whenever I'm processing those type of things, even there's some stuff that I'm doing right now, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm going to have to go home. I'm going to have to do some things. But at the same time, I just got to get work done these next several days to make this happen. Uh, Is that how you think too at times? Because you got to have your breaks as well. And even in the midst of you taking it to this higher level, um, when do you, do you still take some breaks or how how do you really kind of uh, schedule all that out? Yeah, I kind of think uh, agrarian, which is interesting because the Bible tends to think agrarian. And the idea is there are seasons. Mm-hmm. There are seasons when we plant. There are seasons when we water. There are seasons where we weed. There are seasons when we harvest. Uh, and I try to find breaks in the midst of those processes. So for I think there's also seasons when you just let the ground lie hmm. for just a little bit. Yeah. And so for me, when we've planted... Um, and seeds in the ground, it's a good time to take a break. Uh, If we are at a point where we've just harvested, I think we should celebrate. Hmm. And there are times that we just need to say, hey, we're not going to, we're just going to kind of run the template this summer. You know, we're, it's a good summer to, to make sure you get that time. The other thing for me, Mike, is, is I'm, I I guard my day off pretty well. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really don't work on Fridays. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if something happens that, you know, I absolutely have to deal with. I'm not, you've got to deal with it. Yeah. But it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. And in a church this size, I'm not a one-man shop. Other right. people can handle almost anything that yeah. would happen here. And so yeah. for me, I try to, to guard that day off on a weekly basis and then also realize there's just some seasons when I need downtime. So I generally take uh, all or most of <laughs> June off every year. Yeah, sure. And, and yeah. for me, Mike, I know you tend to take... Uh, weeks at various times during mm-hmm. the year. I do better with a block. Yeah. I do better just getting out of here for three or four weeks yeah. and just clearing my head and, and rejuvenating in that way. And I think part of it is we all have to learn how we work. Yes. Because you can't sprint the entire time. Yeah. All of no. the time. That's a great point. And for me, I have to figure out the rhythm I'm in, honestly, to best support the, men, the bigger vision sure. and the ministry you have, right? So when you're gone, I need to be stepping up. You're right. Right? Uh, I mean, it's important that I, I have some presence and I step up in the ways that I need to step up when you're gone. At the same time, when you're here and you really have some big vision things, I need to kind of be at my best too. <laughs> right. So it's kind of figuring out. That's why I take those weeks here and there throughout the year uh, because I have to have a rhythm that helps support a larger rhythm uh, up for the church. Yeah, and the other thing that's tough for you is that uh, during those times, I'm away. So this summer, you're, I'm going to be gone three weekends, mm-hmm. and you're going to preach for me on Sunday three weekends. Mm-hmm. It's not like any of your normal stuff is going to go anywhere. No. So you're going to have all your regular duties, yes. plus yeah. you're going to have to preach three weekends. Yeah. And so one of the things I try to do is give you an advance notice you several do. months ahead so you that you can, you can be working on your sermons and yeah. all that, because that period of time would be untenable. Uh, if I just said, hey, starting next week, you're going to preach three sermons in a row. Good luck, kid. That's right. And so part of it, I think, is strategic. Very much strategic. Also, uh, on that point, there's some leadership things that I do with with, uh, some people, staff, and other weeks before, Mm -hmm. uh, whenever you're going to be gone, just so make sure everything just kind of stays on the rails during those weeks or give us the best opportunity uh, to do so. Uh, But you know, we're talking about this, about working at a higher gear, no matter what... We still have to work at a high, we still have to work really, really hard. Yeah. 
And uh, when I'm just, uh, even these next couple months, I'll be working hard and then somehow got to prepare for what's coming ahead this coming June. Getting adequate rest is a part of working hard. Yeah. People who don't do it will never accomplish their best because they'll never be at 100%. And yet, I'm going to be real honest with you, Mike, throughout my life, particularly with clergy, Mm -hmm. the ones who really, really value rest Mm -hmm. don't tend to do much. Right. I just see a lot of laziness that people want to throw a little baptismal water on. Yeah. You know, I, I had somebody said, you know, I'm going to take a sabbatical and rest. I'm sitting there thinking, I haven't seen you do anything in 10 stinking years. I can't <laughs> right. imagine what made you tired. Yeah. You know? And so for me, a lot of it is just realizing rest is a part of get it done That's gear. Right. It, it's absolutely essential that it be worked in or you can't operate 100%. Think about a pitcher. Mm-hmm. You can't, no matter how good a starting pitcher is in baseball, you, you can't pitch them every day no. because before long, their arm will be shot and yeah. they'll be completely ineffective. So a big part of pitching is rest. And I think a big part of that get it done gear, being able to, to answer the bell day after day, week after week, year after year, yeah. is factoring in that rest and that downtime. All right. So you kind of talked about bringing people together. We've talked about rest. Shane, what happens when you have to work at this high level and there's no time for rest? How do you stay at it? What are some, what do you see? What's in your heart? What, what keeps you working at that type of high level in the midst of, you know, kind of being tired, all the adversity, what keeps you going? We had a situation a couple weeks ago uh, I find that with my schedule, I stay about 98% uh, full. Mm-hmm. I keep just a little bit of wiggle room in case you get a funeral or something. Mm-hmm. I can handle one funeral in a week. Uh, we had a, uh, a situation a couple weeks ago. We had three funerals yeah. in one week. Uh, my schedule is not set up. I do not have the kind of open space time to handle three funerals in one week. And I needed to do all three of these. These weren't things that you could have someone else do. I needed to do all three. And for our listener quickly, you also right now are preaching Wednesdays and Sundays. That's right. Those are two preps. I have two major preps. Not to mention your other leadership responsibilities. That's right. And my Wednesday pieces eventually become books. So it's it's not like you're just making an outline and hoping for the best. It really has, there's a lot of preparation goes in. And you still have to meet with leaders. You still have to uh, meet with staff. Mm -hmm. You still have to keep the church moving on and on and And on. And you have a personal life. I do. (laughs) All right. So uh, in in those seasons, let's say you're just going to have a week and and it's going to be a 60, 70 hour week. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just get it done. Get it done. But if those start becoming normal and regular, then I have to make major adjustments to my schedule. And so right now, because my schedule's gotten to be pretty crazy, there's one thing I've been doing for the past several years once a week uh, with staff that is going to go away mm-hmm. after this spring mm-hmm. simply because I do not have the scheduling room anymore mm-hmm. to do it. And I've had to cancel it, uh, it seems like, almost every week right. uh, this fall. And so that's the kind of thing when I see that my plate is consistently too full. If right. if inconsistently it's, it's overflowing, right. okay, get it done because you do a funeral and, and it's done, yeah. right? You do another funeral and it's done. And then we're back to some kind of normal. But when normal becomes more than my plate can hold, then I have to start saying, okay, what on my plate do I need to move? Yeah. And so at some point in your journey, some time ago, you figured out that you couldn't keep that rhythm up. 
You well, Melissa just, figured that out for oh, me. Oh, well, that's the person yeah, that got I mean, sent. She basically said, you know what? You, you work 70 hours a week. Yeah. We need you here some. Yeah. And the reality, Mike, is I needed to be there. You, mm-hmm. you, you simply have to have that aspect of your life just to be a human being. And yeah. so I think Melissa's really helped keep me accountable uh, over the years. And as we've dealt with her cancer treatments uh, the past several months, now all of a sudden it becomes even more imperative that I be home and I be not just home, but emotionally available as we walk through this season together. And so I think that a lot of it is just knowing what's in front of you, knowing mm-hmm. who you are, knowing yeah. what you can handle and what you can. And, and Mike, let's be real honest. I can yeah. handle a lot. Yeah. And I, I can run at a pretty good speed for a pretty long time. I've, yeah. I've got those pieces. I don't spend a lot of time in my office crying. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're just going to get it done. Mm-hmm. But I still have to have a sustainable schedule. And that's balancing home. It, it's balancing work. And it's also balancing just me as a Christian. You don't want to get to a point in life that you're a very good and effective pastor, but your relationship with Jesus isn't what it should be. Shane, we may have someone in our audience out there who, uh, you know, uh, really wants to kind of take it to this higher gear, really wants to work hard, but they're having a hard time, as silly as that sounds. Is there anything that you would suggest that they start? Is it just simply just do it? What is it that you would suggest to somebody who's like, you know what, I need to have a better work ethic. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm allowing stuff that, uh, I mean, I'm just letting stuff pass by that I should be attacking. What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, one of the things is I know a lot of people who, who are waiting for personal vision the reality is, Mike, uh, most people are not visionaries, and most people are not gifted to be leaders. There's a lot of people in positional leadership positions, but they don't have the gifting as a leader. So what I would say is, you know, if, if you don't have all these great ideas, and if God hasn't given you these visions mm-hmm. uh, and that, are, that are doable and, and all those kind of things, I would say fit in to somebody that has a vision. Uh, accept some spiritual leadership. Be a part of what they're doing. Add value to the vision that someone mm. else has that you resonate with. Not everything has to be ours. Mm. We don't have to be in charge of everything. Adding yes. value to God's vision that he's given somebody else is an excellent yes. way to begin that journey. And you may just find in time, God will give you a vision of your own. Absolutely. It also makes me think, uh, allow someone, allow yourself to be inspired by others. Absolutely. I was uh, reading, uh, or actually I wrote something recently on this about passion. It's good to have passionate people in our life. When we don't have a passion, I would say that if someone doesn't have passion, uh, just get around somebody who's passionate. You may not even have the same passion that they do, but oftentimes passion begins to stir passion in us. You've heard people say, like, I wish I loved something as much as this person loved, you know, Absolutely. That. And I do think being around passionate people, that begins to inspire us to work hard. Then, to your earlier point, you just got to get it done. You got to get it done. And, and for me, the passion is so integral. But I think a passion like an engine... Okay. And then I think of, of work like a transmission. And so if, if it, when I look at successful people, they have passion, but their passion isn't just around ideas. Their passion's around processes. And if you can get your passion focused to doing what it takes day after day to be successful, mm-hmm. you know, let's say somebody has a great passion to be in the best physical health they could possibly sure. be. 
All right, that's great. A lot of people have that passion. Look at the number of New Year's resolutions. Where that passion needs to be is in terms of processes. They need to not just have passion for being as healthy as they could be. They need to have passion for getting a workout in today and for eating a good meal at the next meal, a healthy meal. The passion needs to be around processes Mm. if you're going to be successful. So part (laughs) of Get It Done gear is, is... Forget this idea that we're excited about all these great outcomes and focus your energy on processes. It's those processes that produce the outcomes. They don't happen accidentally. Amen. We have to work on those processes. That's powerful, Shane. Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. If you'd like to hear more from Shane, make sure you visit RevShaneBishop.com or if you'd like to hear more from me, visit RevMikeWu.com. Well, we'll talk with you next time. And make sure that you keep the change.